0: everyone's a critic, or so goes the sarcastic old saying. And it seems that today everyone is. What was once the sole province of a select group of scribes setting down their influential judgments about theater has now been joined by a chorus, as some would say, a cacophony of opinions sounding across the blogosphere. Tweets, Facebook postings, blogs, chat rooms. The beneficial and or deleterious effects this has had on theater and theater criticism is our topic for today. I'm Patrick Pacheco of New York One and the Los Angeles Times for the American Theatre Wing, and I'm delighted to be moderating this discussion with a quartet who is especially qualified to speak about those changes. I am joined by three major theater critics, Charles Ishwood of the New York Times, Elizabeth Vincentelli of the New York Post, and Peter Marks of the Washington Post. Rounding out our panel is Lisa Fung, the former arts and culture editor of the Los Angeles Times, who is now the executive editor of The Wrap, a leading news website covering entertainment, business, and culture. Welcome all. Thank you. There are over 133 theater blogs (laughs) out there. And your British peer, uh, Michael Billington of The Guardian, recently said that the social media has given, quote, newspaper critics a necessary kick up the bum, unquote. Um, Do you feel that kick up the bum of Peter Marks and... uh, is yeah. it necessary
1: <laughs> yeah i do i think it's uh, you know i think i think it's a more entertaining world than it was 20 years ago uh, writing about the theater and i think that actually you know uh, i don't feel threatened by those changes i actually sort of have come to understand that it's a, a, a completely evolving world every year practically and that I have to adapt to this world. It's not so much now readers have to adapt to what newspapers do. It's quite the other um, way around. And I think generally it's been good for us.
2: I also really enjoy it. I like argument. I like discussion. <laughs> I like uh, getting into the ring. I like uh, I like all that. I think it's really healthy. Um, not always polite, but, <laughs> you know, not always informed, but... I think it's it's challenging. I like it. I really enjoy it.
0: Charles, what are the challenges for you in this change? Well, reading
3: all 133 of those blogs is not (laughs) easy. It takes a lot of time. Um, In fact, I don't obviously read them all. There are certain things that you obviously do check out. Um, But uh, the challenges are actually, you know, trying to figure out how you know criticism is going to need to change. I mean, uh, I think. Right now, there's so much pressure to do more online, and there's a bit of a devaluation of the print because everyone thinks the future is digital. And does that mean we're going to need to write shorter, um, write reviews in a different format? Um, I know that you know Frank Rizzo, who writes for the Hartford Courant, is doing his reviews in a very different way, where he's it's like a bullet point thing, mm. which I live in fear of. But um, <laughs> I think we're definitely going to have to see how things shake out in the next 10 years. I mean, it's already been, I'm you know even in the eight years I've been at the Times, it's changed drastically. So I feel that uh, we're still in the middle of it, but uh, it's, you know, only gonna get more complicated.
0: Lisa, you're in a unique position to comment on this because obviously for many years you edited uh, theater reviewers at the Los Angeles Times, the print version of it. You then jumped to obviously total online content. Do you have a theater critic at the rap? We don't. <laughs> and why not?
4: We're still we just launched into culture in September. Um, so we're kind of still soft um, introdu- introducing it. And um, at the moment, we just don't have a theater critic. Do you think
0: that you will? What are some of the discussions there about having a theater critic? Do you think you need one?
4: We've talked about it. Um, the difference uh, that we have, um, you know, apart from what you do, is that we are a national um, as online we're everywhere. So we're not speaking to one audience. So if we were to review only in New York or only in L.A. or only in Chicago or something, it's a little bit more of a challenge to do that and, and to have a network of people takes time to develop.
0: You brought up a good point, and that is the size of your audience, which I think is one of the biggest changes altogether. It seems to me that it used to be that you would write a review for the New York Times or the Post or the Washington Post, and it would be for the Washington Post readers, plus whoever heard about it somehow. Now, do you sense that you have a national audience? Do you sense that you have a global audience?
3: Well, definitely. I think the New York Times actually has more readers outside New York City than it does in New York City now. And there's a lot of pressure. I mean, they're going to be putting a lot of emphasis on the international edition now. I mean, I think that's where they see the growth is. Um, And of course, obviously, online makes it all that much easier for people to access the material. So I think it's actually very good in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure your papers are doing the same thing. I mean, that's- Well, one of the ironies is that
1: uh, more people are reading us than ever before. Mm-hmm. As our as our sort of core paying audiences sort of retrench, maybe, you know, the Times has introduced a paywall in this sort of building in another way. The Washington Post is doing that soon too. Uh, but um, the odd thing is that we're being read by more and more people in more and more parts of the world v- v- through tr- tons of platforms. It's the, 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 at the Washington Post, um, the majority of readers, when they're reading articles, don't know they're at the Washington Post websites. Because they've been they, the portals are from oh, everywhere; right. they're all being linked from other things. So you don't even know. Y- people do not enter the Washington Post um, more times than they do from outside the paper, and just sort of happen to fall, tri- you know trip over an article that's been they've been linked to.
2: Well, I, I think that reflects actually an evolution of Broadway in particular, uh, because Broadway now is trying to establish itself as a national brand. Uh, when you get. Scarlett Johnson in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, you're obviously trying to create some kind of national interest because you're banking on on tourist business. So you're trying to get that reach. And I get emails from people who are not from the Trusted area, and they're all about Broadway, of course. So that's part of what we cover, which is, you know, I mean, of course, New York theater is not just Broadway, and Broadway is not New York theater, Mm -hmm. but it's a really very visible part of it. And in that... The kind of borderless aspect of the net is really important because that's where Broadway's going. Broadway selling itself as a national brand. I th- that oh,
4: I think that the interesting thing that I was noticing when I was still at the Times um, was that there was kind of a movement toward hyper local okay. because of the the reach of the internet and bringing news they were finding that people were looking for very local news, not necessarily the national news because they could read Peter in Washington, Charles and and Elizabeth in New York. And so there was a movement to kind of really localize and and take a look at things that I think uh, in print, for the print readers, that's what they were looking for.
0: Which uh, I was going to bring this up later, but I might as well bring this up now, given the fact that there are all these portals and and people don't know where exactly they're they're coming into. That does that mean a diminution of the brand of your own personal brand, the Peter Marks brand, the Charles Ishwood brand, the Elizabeth Gentelli brand?
1: No, I think it's the other way. I think it's the yeah. to some degree it's a, a lessening of the the brand of the place you work for, and it's more focused on the individual. Um, I've. And I know Elizabeth is on Twitter. At least is on Twitter. I don't
3: think you do, any and no. Social media <laughs> um, I just turned seven. I'm waiting till it's in junior. I first. see.
1: Uh, but you know, through Twitter, um, I have a developing following. I hope, and to whom I tweet my reviews. We have we engage in conversations. They're really not really. I mean, to some degree, it's legitimized by being at the organizations we're at. But more and more, it becomes sort of identified with your. With your Twitter handle or your Facebook page, your personality and your personality. So these two things are sort of colliding and coming apart. um, I wonder what would happen, say, if we were totally divorced from our institutions. Whether we would have the kind, maybe you know, you, you lose half your followers online. I don't know, but I think that those things are all in flux.
0: How do your editors feel about that?
1: That's a good question. Maybe they'll uh, <laughs> maybe they'll phone in if there was a phone-in <laughs> show. Uh, they encourage. I'm sure you guys yeah. have the same thing. They encourage us to be on as many platforms as we can be. There are certain guidelines that are evolving in our business. It's still very fluid. What you can say, what you can't say. I stay away from, for example, politics. I don't really uh, inject my political views online. Uh, I don't feel that's my purview. I really keep to a theater perspective. Uh, my editors want me out there. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's like everything online is a digital bus with your face on it, you know, on the side. I think, I th- I
4: think that's definitely true. When, um, uh, when I was at the Times, um, we definitely encouraged people. Um, we wanted to require, but we encouraged people to get out there on and Twitter. Not to the same thing, I'm sure. <laughs> not in my case. Um, but but it's, it's good because I think, I think, um, Readers in general like to have the connection to the person. Um, not they don't like to be detached from, you know, this this story, this article, this review. They want to feel like they know this person. Um, and I think as a reviewer, a critic, it's it's good to develop those relationships. You want that following. You want people to read you.
1: I started following Elizabeth recently, um, and you know it. It, it instantly drew me closer to her point of view. I, uh, just by,
3: <laughs> just oh, no. by having that <laughs> connection,
1: I suddenly well, became it's, more aware of, of what fed your, your perspective. It was really helpful. Yes, and I mean, because, I read you before that. Because
2: I also, I also I tweet mostly about theater, but not just theater. I, I would say pop, I also steer clear from politics, but also tweet about culture and like entertainment in general usually with a the theater link. For instance, if there's an actor that I particularly like who's popping up in a TV show, I'll write a little something, that kind of stuff. It's uh, I, I find it really, really entertaining, actually. Um, but I also like getting into arguments about, <laughs> uh, about, uh, what's going on? I, I I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy. Maybe it's a French thing.
3: No, <laughs> no, no. It is. It is a good thing. I wish Charles was on Twitter. Well, I sh- I will be out <laughs> tomorrow. I think you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had some reservations about it. Uh, I what th- are I, they, Charles? Well, for one thing, I think that you know, it thrives on spontaneity, and that gets people into a lot of trouble. And <laughs> it's possible <laughs> it could get me into a lot of trouble. Also, as theater critics, you know, very often we'll be seeing a show several days before it opens. And so we can't, you know, go out and right, yeah. Yeah. say some pithy remark about the show. What do you save that for four days later? And y- y- uh, these right. are the, I'm sorry, yeah. I don't mean to, but these yeah. are the things that I, before I started
1: doing it, I worried about. Mm-hmm. And I, it took me a while to figure out what it was I wanted to do. It's really about a conversation with the people you're, you're, who follow you and talk to you. And it, you, be, you learn very quickly the things that you can and can't say. Mm-hmm. And even though it is very spontaneous, and yes, there are times when you get a little angry and you push the button before you should, but you learn, in a way, a, a tremendous amount of self-control. It's a, it's, and I think you'd be great at it.
3: Well, thank you. <laughs> we'll self-control. See.
1: But I have a question. <laughs> I think Ben would be good at it, too. Yeah. I just think, and, and, and it wouldn't, the other thing is, it, would, it doesn't have to be, you know, all your readers saying, you know, you suck or you're great. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can actually control to a certain degree who's following you so that you're not, if it's people who are, hostile or
3: abrasive and they're really you driving can you block brace? followers? Yes. Yes, <laughs> obviously I know nothing about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, how I'll set often up. do you both tweet? I mean, do you feel the pressure to do it four times a day, two times a day? I
2: don't. I mean, there's days for instance when I'm on vacation or off, I don't tweet.
1: I'm
3: obsessed. I'm obsessed. So, and also have
2: I have a dumb phone so I do not tweet from my phone.
1: A dumb phone. That could be helpful in this. That's helpful. I it has become indispensable to my job I can't see do it not doing it as Why possible. is it indispensable? Because it, I have formed relationships, not I don't mean personal relationships, but with the entire community I cover, the Washington community, I have learned things about what's going on so quickly. I have, a, I have, I have now have access into so many levels um, at a level that I, and levels that I wasn't really exploring because I think it's more damaging to the public relations apparatus uh, <laughs> than it is to us. To, because we have now absolute unfettered connections to actors directors, the ones who who are mature enough to be able to do this in a, in a, in, in a way that it, is, it doesn't become hostile or they can accept um, but I, I learned things I know what's going on. It,
2: it also came in really handy uh, for instance uh, during Sunday. Twitter was amazing during Sunday in terms of following which of Broadway houses many of which are downtown were flooded or had problems, um, and that was a, a really interesting time for that. I was pretty and of course, I you know joined fairly recently just a few months ago, so um, you know it's still baby steps, but I, I find it very enjoyable. Lisa, you just
0: saw a lucky guy last night and, <laughs> that's right and you tweeted did you not I did tweet you did and and <laughs> w- did you have any parameters in terms of what you would treat and how you would treat tweeting
4: people i Two two weeks before the show opened. I tend not to give opinion um, when I when I see a show Um, unless it's opened. There have been reviews. Um,
1: Did you buy a ticket? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. Uh
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, I paid for my ticket, but but I think that um, in general, I may say that I'm there. I may tweet that I am here at particular show. Um, I may. Tweet or what I actually tweeted was a photo at the curtain call uh, of Tom Cruise, <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks. I'm sorry, and I know
3: <laughs> Patty LePone didn't come in. I know. Look at look at all that. No, it was the scolding. curtain call. It was
4: the curtain call. <laughs> Everyone was <Okay>. flashing. <laughs> so um, in their heads, you can't see a thing. Um, <laughs> no, it. it um, in general, though, tweeting. Um, I think. I, th- I think it's still pretty new to theater and especially with um uh, New York is kind of the exception because most places I think don't have that luxury of the f- the three or four days before the actual opening. Yeah. Um and so uh it's possible I think that as Twitter evolves as more of a, a medium uh for information that they will follow the studio model, which is um you they have a no tweeting, no social media rule when you go to an early screening of a film.
0: Interesting. It's, it, it seems almost impossible to to control. Right.
4: So and and really you can't control it. I mean if yeah. somebody has well, seen the movie. When people on the theater
2: forums are <laughs> yeah, on and on and on about
4: shows in previews often from the
2: very first preview when a show can
4: be really really rough,
2: you know at the same time they're charging full price for that. So. Well but I
4: think I think the difference is with just somebody buying a ticket right. versus a critic walking out and saying hated it, um, it's going to be a little bit different. But um, that, that right, tends yeah, to no, put
0: pressure on you when bloggers are buying tickets ahead of time and right. blogging out there and all these reviews are, are out there. I wanted okay. just to pick up on something that you said, uh, Peter, and that is you have this relationship with artists, actors, and so is that difficult to have? Sometimes. Does that compromise you?
1: No, I don't think it does compromise you if you learn how to, to handle it. I have had Long-term kind of uh, exchanges with people in the theater who I've then written reviews about, uh, and sometimes not favorably. And it's like I throw it out there, and it's (laughs) like, can you handle it? And I I don't mean like in a challenge, but I find out, and some people can, and some people, you know, stop following you, and you know, the the, the relationship ends. Um, So, but it has also made me more sensitive to some of the issues in the theater that. I wasn't quite as aware of, and that has been really helpful to me in writing the reviews so it you know, so the trade-off is yes, it makes it those there are there are uncomfortable moments when you know you know oh my God, that person's following me I try not to be online if I know somebody um, is is a follower i won't I wouldn't I would probably as you would in conversation with anybody be a little more diplomatic than yeah. I might yeah. be in the in the in the Quiet room of writing my review, where I have to really sort of lay it out. For
2: me, my rule is I will not write or tweet anything that I would not say to someone in person, and that is a very good Mm rule. That's a nice. Yeah, I think. If I can't tell that person face to face, I am not going to write it. It It's cowardly. It's just really kind of pathetic. I think. Pretty much everything I write, I would absolutely 100% tell that person face to face. Well, the thing with Twitter, though, go by that. I think
4: and I think if more people did that, it would be a very different <laughs> Twitter out
2: there. Mm-hmm. But
4: uh it's that that's my bottom line. But Twitter is open to everyone. Uh-huh. You know, it's not just your followers right. reading it. Right. So, so in a way you do want to be careful about what you're right. tweeting right. and the opinions that you put out there, yeah. or the comments But that you I made. think
2: uh you know, that face to face thing, it's a very it's very easy to remember. You reread it and I like, would I tell someone this? Charles, you had a point. You
3: know? Well, I, I just worry that it's hard for me to picture having two different personas as a writer, I guess, in a sense, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the one where I'm writing my review and it's, you know, completely not considering how this review is going to affect anyone or who's going to even be reading it, but then would I be able to be a completely different, more diplomatic, (laughs) whatever person, you know, if I know these people are somebody who I'm going to be hearing from on Twitter the next day, that's- You know what the answer is? It's not for everybody.
1: I think you'd be good at it, but that said, it's not for everybody. And if you feel that, it might, you might feel constrained, and maybe you know the pressure of the New York Times and knowing that there's a different kind of commercial impulse that you know people feel. You feel like people are waiting at their phones to buy their tickets. Um, if that bothers you that much, then it, then you would have. It might not be that much fun.
0: But Charles, I sense that there is uh, two different personas between your talkbacks. And your reviews. Well,
3: I think that's you interesting. Know, you, you may be right. I mean, we're that's encouraged. We're encouraged to be a little more brief, more <laughs> off the cuff. Not that I ever succeed in being brief, <laughs> but never mind. Um, <laughs> a little more off the cuff, maybe a little bit. Not. I don't want to say racier, but um, exploring mm-hmm. different things as opposed to you know just writing review.
2: But uh, but I remember that 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 when you wrote about not being able to or not wanting to review Adam Ratt plays anymore,
3: mm-hmm. right? That, that stimulated a that huge
2: discussion. was. Picked up everywhere, and that to me feels very Twitterish in, yeah. spirit, in spirit. That's
3: true. It was not something that it would yeah. have occurred to me just to write as a critic's notebook in right. the paper. Right. And I right.
1: wanted, and I, for one, wanted to talk to you about it somewhere. Go you ahead. Said, well, I don't. <laughs> I, at the time, How I do was. I don't remember what the hell I, read? I you well, you basically. I said, said enough already. Well, you were you. You said it publicly. I mean, I, you you said a feeling that many of us have, but you actually articulated it, which is actually interesting because on Twitter, you know, one might not have said, you know, I mean, unless you really were, uh, you know, revealing everything about yourself. So that was an incredibly revealing moment. I think the repercussions were something that I wanted to discuss with you because I think it did have repercussions for that playwright for you to say that was, to his career, you know, I think that was a difficult moment because, not so much because I don't think you, I think you wanted to be fair to him in in one way. On the other hand, it was like saying, you know, he's not even worth my time at this point. I, you know, somebody else do him. And I, so you left that out there on the table, yeah. and I think that that was something that you might have wanted to even explain a little bit more, because it because yeah. people were angry.
3: Well, I, because I'm not reading 133 blogs, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, of course I got a lot of, you know, flack. flack, and I got a lot of positive sport, too, as you're usually doing these things. Right. Um, I, what I really want to emphasize in that piece, which, you know, obviously it's not always, you're not always able to do this. I mean, you do want to draw the veil out from behind the sort of mysterious doings of a critic. But really, I I wanted, the honest impulse behind that was not um, to put a nail in the coffin of this guy's career by any means. It was, I really felt that it was no longer fair for a single voice at the New York Times, which still has a certain, you know, authority, to be weighing in on his plays every time, when it's a personal, you know, viewing is subjective. And you know, I honestly it was not meant to be, you know, a, something intended to, you know, in any way put a damper on his career. I'm sure ultimately won't. But um, it was really meant to, you know, free him up from having to face <laughs> yet but, another. Uh,
1: but it would have been the same if you had not said it. It would have had the same effect. See that once you put it down on in, you, once you had articulated that point of view, you were you were setting a. A ground a, 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 you were laying a foundation for how he was going to be covered that no other playwright has to deal with, because well, ra- you know what I mean. Those things are discussed between the pe- among the people at the paper, not normally in. So
3: I'm just I'm saying, but I feel like, you know. But
0: that's that's healthy, I think. I think you know to some extent in terms of exposing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's become much more democratic of an exercise because you are are much more exposed than you ever have been before, before there there might be a letter that came to the editor and it may or may not be printed. Now you get your response right away. Right. Do you feel exposed um, more yeah. than ever? And uh, how does that make you feel and how do you respond to it emotionally in terms of your own personal life and career?
3: With lots of Xanax. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, you do feel exposed because, you know, now our reviews are, not all reviews, but some of them are open. You're just open to a lot of, you know, Vituperative comments that are just as public as your reviews or whatever essay you're writing. I mean, uh, my fr- a friend of mine who's also a critic says he gets very angry because he feels that these comments are just thoughtless graffiti scrawled upon his review. <laughs> and that's, a good, know, that's a good description. And I, I also worry that, you know, it's under, you know, in a sense, the publication that is, you know, presenting your opinion is in a way backing away <laughs> from it by then saying, well, everyone else, uh, have at him. You know? <laughs> it's, you know, and I know that that's flying in the face of what we're supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be, everyone should have an equal voice these days, but I do think that critics work hard at their jobs, you know, have a lot of experience covering theater, and this, uh, this idea that, you know, well, that's one opinion and here are 200 people who disagree, it's a little bit disheartening at times, not that I ever read them.
4: Does <laughs> that Does that affect you as you're writing? In the writing process, uh, no. are you, are you that's why I try not to read them.
3: Some, I mean, do you read all the
1: comments? No, I can't. I, because the I, I, the comments are so uh, so. At least I find so unregulated. I mean, there's nobody monitoring to see the, the truly bu- bilious things that people write, and I can't. I, it's 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 almost like it's too much. Uh, I I don't understand why the most reputable organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, Allow the least reputable comments. <laughs> I, I, it makes no sense to me why these two things merge. But isn't it well, self-policing Times,
3: a bit? Well, I think the Times does monitor. Your paper does. Yes, not they do. But I see all kinds.
1: I, I see all kinds of things I get know. through. And you know, I mean, it, I maybe less so at the Times than at the, the Post, but not the New York Post, the Washington Post. Right.
0: Um, Lisa, I wanted to ask you just backing up a little bit. Um, six, I think, of the twenty-seven critics of the New York Drama Critics Circle Award blog. Would you think that all of them should blog? All 27 should blog? Should every critic blog? In your opinion.
4: Should every critic blog? Um, I think only the people, the the only people who should be blogging are the people who have something to say. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of people who are just blogging to, you know, throw things out there and and see what sticks. Um, I think it's helpful when, you know, you guys are actually blogging because that gives, I think, it gives it a little more credibility. Um, it also helps explain things because you are maybe more informed than just Joe Blogger, not, not necessarily you know, the members of the drama critics, but just in general, you, you are also tied to institutions. Um, what you know, Even with the Adam Rapp thing, it, it still is an informed opinion, your feeling, and it explains, it, it does, it pulls back the curtain and helps people understand what you do a lot more than if you, know, you hadn't done that.
0: Uh, I also At know least. you, Lisa, to be an insatiable collector of, of content. What do you read of the theater blogs? And do you go first to the mainstream critics, the newspaper critics, uh, be, and then down? Because I think you only have so much time, right? Yeah. Consuming all. <laughs> yes. This stuff. No. That's
4: true. Um, I because I come from a newspaper background, obviously I that's where I go first and foremost. Um, and I do I do tend to read the you know when I'm looking at like anyone else, do I want to see that show? Um, I do look at the critics that I at the main newspapers, um, possibly magazines if there are still there are a few uh, that still have uh, theater critics. And and um, I just find them to be more in line with my way of thinking, <laughs> um, and that tends to be how people read. I mean, you know, I, for entertainment, I may read some of the other people out there. Um, but if I'm actually trying to decide what I want to see or what I want to cover, or things like that, um, I'm probably going to go a little more mainstream.
0: You have brought up a good point, which is the internal debate that's always been, uh, that's an ongoing debate about theater criticism is, are you there to offer consumer advice? Should I spend 155 bucks on this ticket? Or are you there to protect, enhance, uh, encourage the art form itself? How has social media influenced that debate in your
2: opinion? I think for me, it's a three part thing. It's yes, there is an aspect there's a consumer guide aspect because it's it's often an expensive ticket yeah. and people, you know, before pulling the trigger, they want to know and I think it's fair enough, it's, it's there. So there's that. Then there's the, yes, there is trying to help the art form and maybe give some kind of constructive feedback to the creative team. Mm-hmm. And w- why not, you know? And one of the new things with the social media is the connection with the, the creatives is often very uh, direct. I've gotten uh, emails from playwrights who did not appreciate what I wrote, and uh, and I write back. I answer, you know, if, if an email is polite, <laughs> 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 I write back, um, and it's been very interesting, actually, very, very constructive, I would say. So I think that's new, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. That's, But yeah, I think it's part of the response really to kind of that's the balancing act, is serving those three elements. It's, it's difficult. It's tricky. Peter, how's uh, it?
1: Affected? I would say, and I, I'd be curious to know what you guys think. I, my reviewing has not changed at all in this. I, don't, I try to write exactly <laughs> the way I sort of evolved the style. I don't know that, I, I've ch- that it's changed at all as, opposed, as, a, as a result of so, social media. Some of the stories I've written have been affected by social media, the things I write about. Uh, and, and I have found because I am so Twitter centric and this community has sort of evolved of mostly serious theater people, that's, that's sort of the world I, and I don't mean just serious by you know, people with important jobs, but people who really want to talk about the theater, that world has sort of forced me to become a little more analytical, I think, as opposed to do you like it or not? Because you know what? That's a boring subject somebody saying, the worst things that you get are the emails or I get that say, um, you liked the show. I didn't. Well, okay, what am I supposed to do about it? I, you know, am I supposed to say, I'm sorry? I liked it? You know, I, uh, you're right. you know, you right. You're right. You liked it. Therefore, you hated it. You're right. I mean, there's just no there's, no, there's no conversation really about that. You really have to talk about the themes and the ideas and what they're trying to get at and why. You know? That's what happens and that's what happens via Twitter. So, even though, yes, you've got to still be the, you can't back away from should they go or not. You have got to, you know, that's what we're there for at some level. That's why our newspapers have us there, to share our feeling about that. But more than that, I think what's happening is um, through these conversations online, I'm getting, I'm getting more of a feel for what, what things people want to hear about mm-hmm. and talk. Char-
0: Charles, you were instrumental in championing careers, championing playwrights, like Sarah Rule, Tom Paine. Uh, tell me the, the, uh, the, uh, to, uh really really know. Really know. thank you very much, really, know. Um, has social media made it easier for you to champion, uh, these, well, I mean, sort of I don't,
3: you know, oh God, here I go again, the Luddite, um, I don't, yes, go. I don't go. tweet my reviews and I don't go on Facebook and, I, you know, I feel like my review is in itself, it has to speak for itself. Um, one thing I think that, you know, ultimately a review is a personal opinion, but I'm sometimes aware that there are playwrights. Whose style is not going to appeal to everyone, and I think an important part of a review should always be just to give a sense of what the experience of the show is, and where, you know, so that people can glean from what you're describing, you know, what the th- what the thing actually is, as opposed to like this is brilliant mm-hmm. and here's why, and this these are my deep thoughts about it. At the same time, you want to you know, like with an Annie Baker play, you need to make it clear that this is not a tautly constructed, you know. You know, quickfire piece of uh, piece of theater. It's something that you need to have a particular appreciation for the kind of atmosphere she's mm-hmm. trying to set, the things she's trying to do. So that's always hard for me because you, you want to sometimes, obviously, you know, talk about how what a great, how moving this was for you. But I do think it's you have to at least um, make it clear th- what the actual theater-going experience. Yeah, I
2: think is. that's what. I, yeah, that's what I mean by consumer guide. It's not mm-hmm. like a thumbs up comes right. down saying it's more like this is what you're going to get right. uh, for me a good example right now is that play Jackie by Alfredo Jelig which is a pretty difficult play i mean i really mm-hmm. liked it but i really made clear this is really not easy and it's it's there's no there's no plot it's all over the place don't expect you know going from point a to point b it's 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 really impressionistic it's 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 difficult but the, if you're willing to kind of engage the world of the play, this kind of hermetic world, it's very rewarding, but, you know, not for everybody.
0: But there's no way that you could uh, take the uh, plays of Annie Baker or Will Eno or this playwright down to a 140-character tweet in some way in order to, to to say, watch out for this playwright. He no, really deserves it. but you can, can, you do, a tweet. That you can but do
2: that. You can also do yes. a tweet to amplify, to bring attention to your review, saying, hey, I just reviewed this. It's not for, you know, you can try to kind of
3: You can put your review in a context, out. I suppose. Right. And then
1: But it's also a it's like an it's a it's a it's like a an a zipper, a news zipper. I mean you can you can embellish over a series of conversations with people over a series of, of a day uh, you know there are whole there are whole functions online called like Storify where people will take your tweets the com- or the conversations you're having uh, over a period of 24 hours and condense them into one sort of readable format so that everyone else can follow along all your uh, what's, wh- what was what was said so it's not just like. You can pronounce one 140-character tweet. That's what I think about this. You, mm. can, you can link in a tweet to your review and say, you know, somehow encapsulate it mm. there and then in, in, in maybe an hour later say, you know, I, um, I, I, there's more to say about this important playwright. You know, you guys, you know, and, and if you've got, you know, several thousand people following you, sometimes the echo chamber works and it actually has impact. Um, I've had people in Washington, based on a tweet, which drives me crazy, write, Condemning blogs about what I said. I mean, whole like articles based on a <laughs> tweet. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, you know. So I mean, it 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 does happen in mysterious works in mysterious ways sometimes. Do you resent when uh,
0: websites yes. like? <laughs> well, I, I don't know what the question, just, question is. I know. He resents. <laughs> it just resents. That's what he's saying. Uh, stuff like uh, didhelikeit.com uh, or Stage Grade, they reduce I, your reviews to an A or a B, a thumbs up, a sideways, or a down. Hmm. Um, do you, you know, like I, don't that's think, I think
3: that's serving a certain audience who obviously doesn't have the time or the inclination to actually read reviews. I mean, it's going to... I don't resent it. I mean, it's it's obviously a gross simplification of.
2: I, I really like stage grade. I think it's great. So I like uh, it.
1: <laughs> you like it? I really like well, it. I don't. I mean, but the one the one that did he like it thing is seems. I, I don't I don't, I don't look that at that one, it's, it's uh, but I look at stage grade because I think it's interesting the it's way that
2: very uh, it's very useful and actually I engage with them because uh, I check out how they summarize and the grade they give to what I've written. I mean, they don't give a grade to my review. They kind of.
1: Will they say what they, grade you would have given? They kind of assume,
2: right? Exactly. Uh, and a very, I very often have emailed them saying, actually, I don't think this would be a C plus. <laughs> you you correct y. them. You mean before or after they? After, graded. because they don't consult okay. with you before they. Right, be right. So but I, 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 I check it out and then I, cool. I double check, and they've usually uh, changed I mean, it. They, and, they change it. Yes. and
0: they change it.
2: And they change it. And explain why. You use stars I too.
3: I think it would be easier to translate your reviews into grades. Yeah,
2: because well, I have to use stars. But no, it's not easier. <laughs> it's it's really tricky. Like. I have four stars and I can use half stars. <laughs> yeah. So the average <laughs> is a two star, which for <laughs> me is actually below average. Right. So uh-huh. the,
3: you're right. So but it's tricky. It
2: just doesn't quite work. But yeah, I, I've complo- I engage with them. I, I love Stitch I think it's, it's a great, great instrument.
0: With bloggers out there buying tickets, going early, re- filing reviews. Do you get pressure from your editors to somehow jump the gun? Do you have a real problem now with the traditional embargo that was supposed to level the playing field and now hasn't leveled the playing field? If anything, it's, it's made it much more screwy uh, or skewed. Do you get a pressure from your editors about jumping into the game earlier? Do you feel that you can still abide by the embargo? Do you feel it's unfair to, for them to ask you to abide by the embargo? Well,
3: I think it's getting more complicated because producers now realize that they can generate when you have a star in your show or something like Spider-Man that has a built-in audience. Mm-hmm. You know, they can generate enough excitement in the Twitter sphere and the face, you know, through Facebook, and social media, that uh, they're now more bold. I think about. Saying, well, we're not going to bring the critics in, you know, for what uh, you know they make up an excuse, whether it was you know Sandy, which was shameless, but never mind. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, and of course, it's oh, you're happen- about Gary, Glen Ross. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You yeah, um, wrote about it. Right? It's only happened a couple of times, but I I think there's a danger there. And then suddenly are the critics going to be the last ones Mm -hmm. to the party, and therefore are we going to, are our opinions going to be devalued? I mean, that's a question we have to start thinking about a little more, maybe, or or editors do.
1: I'm watching this world sort of still evolve, and I still think the moment when Elizabeth or Charles, when their review comes out, that's the moment. You know, I still think that that we're still there. It, it hasn't become, you know. I thought this was all going to change, and that you know, every you know, people were going to be like, you know, aggregating 40,000 comments, and therefore that was, how, you know, it would come up with a numerical grade, and that it hasn't happened. It's still the voices that have authority and and, and, and 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 cleverness and knowledge, and taste that that drive the 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 the, the audience and discussion. No, maybe I, not I, it's, maybe not ticket sales. But certainly those other things.
4: I definitely agree with that, and and for ha, many years, <laughs> <laughs> for the many years that I was an editor at the LA Times, um, there really wasn't a push to break an embargo. Um, certainly, there was that talk. You know exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, there's so many voices out there, but I agree with Peter. It's it's the one voice that you want to hear. In the end, ultimately, are the professionals. You can hear all sorts of and that noise out there—all yeah. those, all those, all
1: those people at their computers are waiting for something to react against. Sure. They need they a conversation are. starter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's very hard for people out there to be. Maybe we'll build to that. Maybe there will be people who have those kind of audiences someday in the theater. I don't see it happening as yet. You know, it hasn't happened sure.
4: As yet. Sure, but the same thing is happening. You know, again, movies. That's, that's always been the case, you know, mm. the, the people see things, um, you know, at screenings and special screenings and hear this and that and, and obviously bloggers are out there posting right away but, but critics have to hold to those embargoes and in the end they're still going to want to read Tony Scott's review, they're still going to want to read Ken Turan. What people are buying from you, what
0: people want from you obviously is judgment, that's what they're buying, your critical judgment, your critical evaluation, these years that you've put into it. And yet, it seems to me because of the social media, the definition of what a critic is and who is a critic is getting much more porous. Do you feel that the public, the lay public, is being able to make those kind of distinctions and judgments,
4: or is it becoming more confusing? I think that there are a lot of voices out there. I mean, um, no one can deny that, you know, the power of Yelp, for example, <laughs> in, you know, this is, this is my neighbor talking. You know, here's the critic, and here's my neighbor. Um, I know my neighbor. I I respect my neighbor. We've gone out to dinner together, so I think I'm going to go with this <laughs> opinion over here. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 interesting to kind of watch the evolution of that. Um, we we don't have a critic, so what we do, um, and I actually started at the LA Times, um, is uh, Broadway roundups. Um, what did the critics say? Yeah, and the Rotten the, Tomatoes yeah. version of theater. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, it may start with the local critic um, and when I was at the Times, um, and then kind of break down everyone else, what everyone else had to say. So the reader can stop in one place and get the range of opinions out there. And I'll tell you, those things were huge traffic drivers.
0: More if, so if than, say, the review, the, the printed review. How much? How, can you give us a quant? Can you quantify how many page views your printed review got versus how many page views the aggregate got?
4: I can, and since we're not seen in Los Angeles, it was sometimes you know as many, uh, in some cases, ten times as many page views yeah. for the aggregated thing because people want an overall view of this. They they like to hear many decisions, mm. and, and I mean think about buying a car. You know, you right. you read this thing, you read this. You know, and and then you kind of form your own opinion, or you just are entertained by the way people write, and and so often, I mean, those were big, uh, big page traffic drivers. drivers, yeah, traffic drivers, and um, and much more so. And each one of those things did include a link to um, the full review. Mm. So we're doing kind of a money quote out of those things, or, or a little a uh, quote or two from each of the reviews, and they did include, and we could track. How many people actually clicked on, and so we could see where they were going mm. with the reviews, mm. and 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 in a way, it, it's a little bit about who we, you know, the quote that we chose. So if there's a particularly, hmm. you know, um, inflammatory, could be inflammatory <laughs> or, or just provocative, a, yeah, pithy, what a, you know. yeah, something, or maybe it's a funny yeah. moment or something. Um, they will click on that, and so again, those are things that you think about. Um, as, as somebody who's aggregating a bit, um, what we're offering to the reader, Charles, what were you going to say?
3: Well, I'm I've been you know s- struggling in the past few years about this question of how people read differently online as opposed to the paper, um, and I feel like <coughs> at least at first I think it may be evolving now that more and more people have you know readers that they can take with them and read more at, at a leisurely pace, not just you know you're in your job and you want to check something out, you read two graphs. You know, at first I really felt like readers who um, would get a wrong impression of a review I'd written, they'd say to me, like, oh, I I heard you hated that show, and of course, I didn't hate it at all, in fact, and I'd ask them where they read it. Well, I read it online, and people are online, at at least, you know, several years ago, seemed to be looking for information, you know, like, it wasn't quite as thorough a you know, a read that you get in the paper. But I think may, perhaps that's changed. And do you guys get any sense that there's a difference between the way people react to your reviews if they read them no, online? I, haven't, or I mean, program.
2: I have not had th- that experience personally, so I don't... I don't uh,
3: uh, and I've evolved into an online reader. I don't...
1: Do I don't read papers anymore? And do you read? But do you
3: read as thoroughly
1: online? Yes, completely, and more so. So we have a Bible. So we no, I <laughs> no I don't I don't like jumps. I hate jumps. I actually, like, actually, like, like, readership. No, you don't. You can press pull, full page. And oh I just really? Read, yes. I, you have oh, that really? on your own
0: site. Yeah. You yeah. learned something. Oh, no, I know that. No, but, 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 what? What? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lisa.
4: No, I, I was just going to say. Actually, um, we also did when I was at the Times. There were studies of whether they actually go to the jump. Uh-huh. And and so it's not that unusual that people only read what's on the front page. Um well, that's true. And and so um, I think people do read all the way through. I, I really do because you can actually track that on your site. Um, oh really? So so um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's good. I'm yeah. just glad I don't have that yeah.
3: information. They don't tell me <laughs>
4: No, I mean, I mean, you can see, you can see what they're reading. You can see the amount of time spent mm-hmm. on what you put up there, and so, and you can see where they go after that.
0: What what it does give you the opportunity, Charles, is to correct that person's opinion that who says you didn't like this, but in fact you did. You have an opportunity or a platform to
3: correct that yeah. impression. Well, that's maybe what I'll start doing on Twitter. <laughs> well,
4: I, I think you're right, though. I think that people do look at, at even what we do, the aggregations, and they see the soundbite, the you know, the quick summary and it doesn't carry the nuance. You know, I, I like this except for, you know... But, the, but the, the history of theater
1: reviewing was always first graph, last graph. I mean, people would rough. read your first paragraph and your last paragraph. I mean, it, I don't think it's really... You don't think it's changed? No, not yeah. really. I mean, I, I, I tend now, I, I find that I've I just gravitated now to, to the web. I just, it's just now my natural place to read things, but uh, I don't think my habit has changed that much.
0: In the time that we have left, I want to talk a little bit about the influence of bloggers, if at all, let's call it the Michael Riedel effect, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, and he's not a blogger necessarily, but he does have a huge influence on, on, peop- on these conversations that get generated on the Internet, on chat rooms. Um, do you feel compelled, some reviewers and the reviews that I've read, do feel compelled to say there's been a lot of heat uh, on the chat rooms. You may have heard that Bernadette Peters or whoever, mm. whatever actor do you feel compelled to address the buzz because it is so prevalent now in your reviews at any time?
3: I think it's a, that's a slippery slope. I mean, if you suddenly start reacting to whatever's out there before you're you know, sitting down to write, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever done that. Um, I mean, of course, I'm, you, know, you read Riedel and you're aware, but you have to go in there and try to you know, keep your mind blank um, whether that's actually possible, I don't know. But I, I tend not to, on rare occasions, maybe, I've alluded to something really notable that's caused such a stir that it's it's made its way, let's say, into the pages of the Times. Like Rebecca, sure. if Rebecca was Rebecca, Right, yeah, exactly. or
2: I, I'm not sure we can talk about Orphans without mentioning right. the cast change. Mm. Right. That's
1: interesting. Clearly, yeah. mm. that's part of it. Right.
2: I mean, you're not going to, it's not a huge part Absolutely of the review, right. but it would be, it would be insane not to mention it. I mean, you cannot not mention it.
3: But what would you so, say other than who replaced Charlotte? You're not going to refer to the right, exactly. acrimony that supposedly took place in the room. No, no, no. So that, that's a, all
2: I mean, is that it, yeah. you just mentioned that maybe it had a kind of hectic, or, or, you know, but it's not, you don't make a point of it, but I, I, don't, I think you do have to mention it.
1: Well, here's the question. It's like, if the conversation before the reviews, has it ever built to the the point where it's reached, Mm. you know, this show sucks, you know, and and then you come in, do you have to do the corrective and say, you know, online, everyone has, the consensus is it was a disaster. Well, you know what? It's not a disaster. It's actually quite, you know what I'm saying? Is that ever happened? I don't that. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Spider-Man? I mean, I don't know, you know. Spider-Man
2: was was its own... Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that was its own (laughs) sort of soap opera. Right. Uh, Um, But I don't know if we've gotten to that point
1: yet. Yeah, I, I think, think um, so. Michael's it's, tried to do think. that. Yes, I think Michael's so. Michael's tried to do that.
0: I mean, how has the Michael Riedels or the, the bloggers sort of influenced um, criticism, in your opinion, Lisa? You can look at it from outside.
4: Yeah, I, I actually way. don't see that. Uh, you know, it's, it's not visible in the reviews. It may be re- affecting what you're thinking going into it, but I'm not seeing that in the reviews themselves as a reader. Of the it's also
2: not a new thing. There's always been gossip columnists right. and and people who are, you know, like to, to stir things up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is not a new thing. Well,
4: mm-hmm.
1: the the other interesting question is whether we're reading more about what's happening, uh-huh. in terms of of opinion formation before we go in than we are. You know, are we we're not in Skinner boxes. You know, we go in with some sense and not just from friends going, hey, I saw it already. You know, don't you? But you know, I mean, it's like now, do we? Absorb uh, so much of what's happening uh-huh. in the environment. I don't know. I mean, Good question. You know.
0: Who,
2: who reads all that chat? I I, I read it.
1: You read yeah. it, and do you read Broadway World?
0: Chat I don't read everything.
2: Well? I don't read everything. I kind of like scan the, the headlines. I don't necessarily go into the messages, the posts. Uh-huh. So I'll scan to see what people are talking about. If there's like a 25 exchange discussion about something, I'm not going to read it, but I'm like, oh, interesting. They're talking about orphans. Well, Gee, shows, are shows are now tweeting.
1: Shows like will start tweeting right. the responses that their people that people have to their shows, like in the early previews, yeah. everywhere, Washington, New York, everywhere. I don't and follow
2: shows actually.
1: What? I don't follow show I shows. I do, and I and I obviously you know if it's tweeted by the show, it's going to be positive, but sometimes it's somebody you know, or it's a actor you know, and you go, why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I, do they know somebody in the show, or is this really something they wanted to say? So I, I am aware much more of that, and and they tend to be positive. You don't hear a lot of ugh. You know, mm-hmm. that much early on when people are tweeting because they want to be retweeted and I think they think that they're gonna be more they're gonna get more currency for their point of view if they say something positive.
4: Well, I also think it's the think you know, would you say it to them in person? Yes, right. Because yeah. your and name's attached to exactly, it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And a lot of people were raised if you can't say something nice. <laughs> <you can't>
0: say <laughs> it at all. Right. Charles, how do you answer Peter's question? the question that is about how much you read of what's out there, how much um, do you read of bloggers, chat rooms? I
3: don't read a lot. I try not to read a lot in advance. You know, I don't read all that chat. I'm not a masochist. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I also feel that, you know, those there's very passionate people on some of these sites, but they're not necessarily people who I would uh, trust, yes, mm-hmm. you know, have respect for their opinions you know, as I say, passionate though they are. But also I do feel if you read too much of that it does poison your Yes, I you would because it's that. it's always you know, the first preview there's always people going and, you know, the second preview, and if you start r- getting it in your head that then you have to t- try to somehow, you know push it out again. Download it or offload whatever the technical phrase would <laughs> be. Um and that's harder to do if you have all that in your head. So I don't read that much uh, before I see a show at all. And
1: although I did see I read something today that said uh, tv ratings go up for shows that have more tweets about them so there is a correlation happening yeah. between like shows thinking if you tweet more about it you'll get more audience i mean there's there's a uh, there's something happening you know that, that we can't help but ag- acknowledge or be watching for that you know that these things are happening if you're you know if you're online doing this stuff and, and how that might affect you if you're seeing a, a barrage of tweets from hands on a hard body for example or something like that that you know you go oh well wow, that's Boy, there are a lot of people who seem to like that show.
4: Wasn't that next to normal's big thing? Um, next to normal the was—they were very, one of the very, very, very early yes. Twitter yes. people who, who created buzz that way yeah. and um, got conversations going and, and expanded them beyond just the show. Mm. So mm-hmm. I think that is something that, from the other side, the producer, the marketing side of things, people are looking to do because they do want people to be talking about their show and maybe have even have those mixed opinions. Decide for yourself. Come see our show, and, and to get around you guys,
3: neutralize. Exactly,
0: the you know, to yes. neutralize Indeed. the critics, of course. absolutely. Do a, you know, and, and run around you. That's the whole marketing push. Yeah. Of course, you, you can do
3: it the old-fashioned way. They did with breakfast activities. Plant a lot of stories about the cat. <laughs> the, cat like the, cat. <laughs> the cat got the best review be and the cat, if they didn't. the cat got fired. Didn't the cat get fired?
0: Well, they, yeah,
1: <laughs> another, <laughs> they got another cat. They Old got a feather uh,
0: <laughs> a producer came up to me last night, a producer whose show has yet to open in 3 weeks time or 4 uh, 3 weeks time and came up to me and said people come up to me all the time and said I read your good reviews or I read your reviews about your shows from people because they've read it in this Chat room, this blogosphere that you were talking about. Do you sense a diminution of your own power? Do you? I know that you don't think that you're powerful, but you are. You influence people. You, your reviews sell or do not sell tickets. Do you feel a diminution of your power, and do you resent that?
3: I think people who are really passionate about theater are going to be searching out, you know, opinions on shows all over the place. So there certainly is that small group of people who, you know, are going to be reading everything. I think. The general readership, I th- think, still, or the general population still probably has a certain amount of... I mean, it's easier for them to just wait for the critics, you know, to, to weigh in. Um, but, I, you know, I do think, you know, everyone would agree that papers don't have the influence they used to because readership is declining. And this is getting depressing. You say something. <laughs> I,
1: I, resent, I resent people throwing it in my face. I don't care. That much, whether or not I, you know, the, the ticket seller don't. I know, but I can't stand that people go. You're less important because you're not <laughs> selling that many tickets. Well, what do I? You know, right. I don't care. You know, you want to, you want, you want to make me feel bad. Is that all you want to do? <laughs> Fine. I mean, I didn't get into this because I wanted, you know, thousands of people to gallop into the theater to, because I said to go or not. It, it really was never in my. That was not an impulse that I wanted to pursue. You know,
3: so. Yeah, but you do want a champion. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I want people to, to, to of course, but I, I don't
1: care. I, 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 it's not about power.
4: It's not about power. There is power to well, that, the, though. Well, the one thing, thing that You say this is good and, and, you know, people- The know.
2: one thing that makes me wistful is, like, I really- I don't care if I don't have the power to close a show, but I would really- <laughs> I really would love to have the power to keep a show that I love going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, mm-hmm. I would love to have that power. If I could have a superpower. <laughs> that will be my uh my and i, think that's I really still don't want to close the show, but i want to keep one going I think that that's still true don't you think lisa
4: yeah no absolutely i that's the one uh uh who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, the recent yeah. um yeah. that did get very good reviews and and you know playing to have full uh auditorium you know it's 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 sad There's um a-
0: yeah, There's a lot of different extenuating factors to sure, that. Sure, absolutely. Of, of course. It had yeah, been here show. recently. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It had also been here recently.
3: And it also played to have how the, the, the other productions yeah. Yeah. exactly. Well, and this didn't have stars. I mean, I think what I find dispiriting is that, you know, it's impossible to do much for their off-Broadway shows, which are usually ones we care more exactly. about, because there's nowhere for them to go. They can't extend for two weeks, mm-hmm. and then the nonprofit has another show coming in. There's nowhere for them to go. I mean, Broadway can market its way around. Reviews to a certain Mm -hmm. degree, but
1: the reviews also, because of this digital world, have impacts that go way beyond the run of the show. There's all other kinds of ancillary effects. The the career of that playwright is going to be enhanced, and they're going to be, and that Mm -hmm. show is going to get run. is going to be seen in twenty different cities. I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's it's not just about keeping a show open.
0: What are you sanguine about in terms of the future? Uh, and and your role as a theater critic in terms of the future of theater criticism. Uh, What are you positive about in terms of where we will be 10 years from now or five years from now and your role in it?
2: Well, if I'm going to be positive, (laughs) (laughs) I do think there's so much out there. There's so much offer. And even in the past few years, it's just completely, it's grown just here in New York at such a pace. Um That to have someone who's has a full time job that consists only of going to the theater is pretty important because I have a benchmark last year I saw like two hundred and twenty shows <laughs> and wow I see a lot of stuff and I have these benchmarks where I can tell people, well, this check this out I mean I see a lot of stuff and this is worth it this is this is good this you you're gonna like this well this may not be a- this you know, and I think. It's important to have someone who's paid to go through. You know, you have to kiss a lot of frogs, basically. (laughs) And and someone has to be willing and paid full time to do it. It's not easy.
1: Peter. Oh, what Elizabeth said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's just kiss those frogs. (laughs) Well, that somebody's there's going to be a need for someone to go see this stuff, and that's Uh that's what's going to and that need's going to be filled somehow. Maybe not by um, Mm -hmm.
3: someone with knowledge and experience or with and judgment or 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 health coverage (laughs) 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 Charles? Well you know looking at the social media aspect I mean from hearing mainly from what you guys have talked about I think it is encouraging that maybe you know people connecting who are so connected on social media will be able to maybe be exposed to more stuff about theater that they normally if they don't actually care about theater but they're on Facebook and a friend of theirs posts something about a show you know hey maybe I will go see the show you you know even though it's seventy-five dollars so maybe there's an aspect that it'll start trickling out in ways and more people will become exposed to it and as opposed to the people who you know are the average age of (laughs) theater goers today Um, you know younger people are much more on uh, on these social media so maybe that'll help develop new audiences.
0: Good point. Lisa you get the final word.
4: No I I was just going to agree with uh, Charles I think that social media, the internet has, has brought all of you to the world really where you weren't before and it has inspired people. I will tell you that, that um, just looking at, at audiences and how the, if you sit in an audience where you're not there on press night um, and listen to what people are saying you know I, I happen to hear about it through you know I, or this review or, or something else and I've ne- I never go to the theater, I never go here. So, so it, it is reaching out to more people and, and growing audiences, and I think that's what it's all about.
0: Well, thank you all for a most stimulating discussion. Uh, hope to see you again soon. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theater Wing, I'm Patrick Pacheco, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theater.